our nation today. Oh, God, touch your people today, Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. He is worthy, oh, man. He is worthy of all praise. Amen. Well, we want to get right into our study again tonight. Amen. We're talking about a better reason. Amen. Talk about a better reason. Now, last week we was talking about a better reason why we should be born again. But as we was looking at that, amen, a lot of times the, the world don't see the value of being born again. You know, they just think, uh, you, you Christians are crazy. You know, you lost your mind, you know, but really that being born again is better for the whole world. Because the, being born again is designed to bring us into an understanding of righteousness and holiness and peace with one another. Most of us can probably realize, and there's a lot of people that will tell you that when they was born again, when God came into their life, it changed them. You know, a lot of people had prejudice in their lives, you know, and everything, you know. And now, as soon as they came in contact with God, they began to reach out and hug everybody. You know, it's kind of like it wiped the slate clean. Amen. And so that's the key to, to this whole thing and why God desires us to uh, come into that relationship with Him. There's a better reason to be, well, than what the world portrayed. There's a better reason to, to be able to teach and to show people the right way than what the ways that the world try to teach people. The world will try to teach you to do things and better yourselves based on the Word of God. I mean, of the words of the world, excuse me, instead of the Word of God. Amen. If if heaven and earth is going to pass away, then the counsel that they give is going to pass away. But what God gives us, it will never pass away. Amen. So we need to understand, and Peter tells us, as we was looking last week, he says we need to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks the hope that is in us. Amen. We need to know why we do what we do. You know, why are we called apostolic? Why do we live holy and separated lives? Why do we talk different? Why do we walk different? Why do we dress differently? Why do we live differently? For what purpose? You know, if somebody asks you that question, what answer would you give them? Amen. You need to be ready, no matter where you are, and on an airplane and Walmart or wherever you are, you need to be ready to give an answer to somebody ask you of the hope that is inside of you. Amen. And, you know, and as I was saying last week, to be born again, you know, I think one of the reason that suicide is on the rise, you know, drug addiction, all these things, sedition, witchcraft, all these things that are taking place is because people are not born again. You know, a lot of people say they are born again, but what does it mean to be born again? You see, born again is a whole new lifestyle. When you are born again, you are saying, I am like Jesus. You know, and Jesus, you know, as the Hebrew 6 says, you know, beloved, I am persuaded of better things than you, things that accompany salvation, though we do speak. See, there's some things came with your salvation that did not come before. You know, 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, excitement. You know, these are the things that comes with salvation. You know, taking your life did not come with salvation. You know, divorce did not come with salvation. All these things that the world we see taking place in the world did not come with salvation. Because when you are truly born again of the water and the Spirit, then you're going to be excited about who you are. Amen. God gives us strength. He gives us power. He says, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. So we need to realize that when we become born again and we become doers of God's word, if we unfold God's word and we live according to God's word, the way God tells us to live according to his word, we're going to do right. Because God is a God of righteousness. And the more right I do, the more excited I'm going to be about what I'm doing. And so as long as I'm living according to God's word, I can in any moment that I can begin to feel like I am going down or discouraged or depressed or whatever, I can pick my own self up. I don't need someone else to lift me up. God has given me the power. He's given me the spirit. Amen. He's given me his word to build me up, to strengthen me. This is why we can shake off those heavy bands, we can lift up those holy hands, and we can begin to praise God. Isaiah 61.3 says, He has given us what? A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. So that lets you know that there's going to be a spirit of depression that's going to try to oppress you, going to try to weigh you down. But God says, I'm going to prepare them in advance, so I'm going to give him something called praise. Because whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that order his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Amen. He will bring you out. As David said, he brought me out of the mire. He set my feet upon the rock. He established my goings. Amen. And so I will praise him. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous is thy work, said that my soul nor right well. In Psalms 139, he says, where shall I go from thy presence? Uh, where shall I flee from your spirit? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, he said, the night will be light about me. He said, the night and the day is the same to God. There's no different. Amen. So, if God is all these things, and he's in me, then shouldn't I be what he says I am? Amen. See, so to be born again is better for the world. Your jails wouldn't even be needed. The prisons would not even be needed. You wouldn't even need a judge. (laughs) You know, wouldn't need cops. You know, if everybody was born again, truly born again, because God is a God of righteousness, and everybody would be doing right. That's why the law was just designed to teach people to do right, how to treat people. You know, that's all Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law. 
to get you back to what you were supposed to do from the beginning. See? And so, therefore, we need to get into the Word of God, amen, because to be born again, amen, is a better life. Look at Psalms 119, 164, 165. It says, seven times a day do I praise thee for thy righteous judgment. Psalms 119, verse 6, 164, and 165. Give you a second to get there in your Bibles. Amen. Seven times a day do I praise thee because what? Of thy righteous judgments. He reads the word and he goes, wow, God, you're good. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for that revelation of truth. Amen. Seven times a day. See, if we get in the habit of praising God seven times. Eight times, nine times. Somebody said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, and I thank God for saving me. Say, at verse 165, great peace hath they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Notice. Nothing shall offend you. No matter how many names people call you. No matter how much people say about you. You know? No matter what they do to you, it should not offend you. You're born again. Truly born again. Because great peace. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trials which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, Peter said. But rejoice in that you are becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. They talked about Jesus, didn't they? Did he get offended? No. They spit on him. Did he get offended? No. They persecuted him. Did he get offended? No. None of that. So you've got to have the same attributes as your dad. Because the old man is dead. And the new man is now alive. So this is why we've got to study the scriptures. This is why we've got to get into the word of God. This is why we've got to believe the word of God. It is a better reason than not. Amen. If we're not going to make a change, then why do we go through the process? Why do I come to church? Why do I say I'm a Christian if I'm not going to change? I can't think and act like the old way in the old world. The things that was written for was written for our example. Amen. So what do you live the way you live? For what purpose? What hope is there? What are you trying to prove? What are you trying to show someone? What is the reason? You've got to have the answer. Amen. Somebody says, your testimony, nobody can dispute it. So you need to know why you do what you do. 
And I think that's where a lot of people err in the church these days. Is they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Well, that's what he told me I needed to do. That's what she said I needed to do. You know, really, kind of like what Jesus said to the apostles, right? Who did they say I the son of man am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some says you're Elijah. Some says you're Jeremiah or one of the old prophets. He said, well, okay, that's what they say, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? See? So if someone were to ask you that question, who is Jesus, what would you tell him? You know? What are the attributes? What are the things he has done for you to give an answer? See? That's like the book of Revelation, you know, 19. John says he's what? He's faithful. He's true. You know, he's got a name that no man know but himself. You know, his, his cloak, is, his, his, his robe is dipped in blood. He's got on a girdle. All these things, John began to display him. But what is he to you? You know, how much do you love him? Do you lean on his bosom day by day as John? You know, when you're taking your break and you're in your meditation mode and you're in your study time, do you feel him embracing you? When you are praying and talking to him and studying the word of God, can you feel his arms embracing you? Can you imagine being John and laying on the master's breast and being able to hear his heartbeat and hear him breathe and hear his words coming out of his mouth right across your ears as he's talking to other people? That's closeness. Amen. That's how close you want to be to him. You draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Amen. It's a better reason to be born again than to not be born again. I can go to sleep at night and lay me down in what? Peace. I can rise up because he will keep me in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Amen. So what is the reason for the hope that is in you? Amen. That's why marriage, when you get married, that's why we say, you know, you don't get married outside the church. You know, and a lot of people say, why? Because you're unequally yoked. See, when you look at the scriptures in the Old Testament, notice they merit in the family. See, that is a type and shadow of the church. See. Because when you're in the church, you what? Your family. See? And that way you get to know the family. And we had a, a tour guide in, in, in when we was in Israel and we crossed the border into Jordan. And this guy that I was tour guide and we was going from uh, uh, Israel to Petra. And we had a long night ride. And so he got to talk to us on the on the bus all the way to to Petra that night, and it was a long ride, but he was just yakking and yakking and yakking. But one thing I picked up on that he said, he says, in their country, he says that they start with, if someone, if a guy and a gal kind of like each other, then they go to the family. It becomes a family thing. See? It's all about the family. You you have to get to know the family first. And usually 
if the sister and mom, you know, has to like you first, say, before you can marry the daughter. Because if mom and the other sisters don't like you, I, I hope I'm saying this right, that they, they, they don't want you in the family. See, so you got to get to know the entire family first. So all your time up front is spent with the family. You don't go out one-on-one and dating. See, it's, if you go out, it's the whole family go out. Everybody in the whole family, see, is getting to know the family because you're going to become a part of that family. See, and so they want you to get to know it up front. Well, see, it should be the same way in the church. You know, we should know the family that I'm becoming a part of because it is. It's a family. We are part of the family. You know, that's why Abraham told his servant, go back to my family and get a wife for Isaac. And that's why Jacob married uh, Rachel uh, in the family and Leah. They was part of the family. See? And so that's why if we marry outside of the family, we're, we're heading for trouble to start with. That's what happened to Samson. You, you look at Samson. You know, his dad and mom says, well, no, 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 son. You know, you don't, you don't want them. You want to marry in the family, but he wouldn't listen to them. And look what happened. Eli put his, you know, cut his hair off and they put his eyes out, right? So he couldn't see. You know, the world will blind you. He would make you, make you think there's something there that, you know, is not. See, the world puts on a facade. You know, uh, it, it makes you think that outward beauty is what you're looking for versus character. See, when you're born again, you're looking for character. You're looking for character in people. People that has godly character. Because if people have godly character, they will stand firm. Because their relationship with God is intact first. And that's the people you want to marry, the same kind. Because you're, you're hopefully, you were born again, you are in connection with the Lord as well. See, and so what happens when you marry in the church? You maintain the bloodline. See, it's the purity of the of the blood. See, and that's why they was not in the olden times to marry outside of their families. Amen. Praise God. So we need to be born again. Amen. It's very important uh, in our lives because being born again gives us a new life. It's a separated life. It's an abundant life. It's a service life. It's a changed life. Amen. Most of us can know where we realize where we were before we came into this relationship. And it brought difference. As the song said, oh, what a difference. <laughs> and what a change he made in my life. I'm not the same person I used to be. It's been slow going, but there is a knowing that someday perfect I will be. Amen. As I keep walking with him. Amen. So being born again is better for us. So what's your function at this junction uh, in your walk with God? You know, be ready. Be ready to share and tell people the hope that is in you. Number B on your paper. Why Jesus Christ is a better hope. 
Why is he a better hope? Why is he a, a better hope? Hebrews 6 verse 18 through verse 20 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as what? An anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entered into the, within the veil. Amen. Whether the forerunner is for us enter, even Jesus, which is made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now we know Melchizedek was the high priest. He was the one that met Abraham when he came back from the slaughter and Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil to him. Amen. So notice he's made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek by two immutable or two unchangeable things and which it was impossible for God to lie. That's his word and his promises. They can't change. God will never change his word, and he will never change his promises. Amen. So by these two immutable things, the unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge. Remember, God is our refuge, and God is our strength to lay hold to the hope that is set before us. There is a hope, a better hope which hope we have as an anchor, that faith in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in Hebrews 7, verse 19. He says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh to God. Notice, the law didn't make anything perfect. The law was just designed to keep them on track, amen, to bring them to Christ. Amen. The Lord did not reconcile man to God, and it, is not, it was not the atonement, and it did not remove guilt, see, amen, but the bringing in of a better hope did, the gospel did, the gospel, amen, Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Christ, the death, the bill, and the resurrection, it brought a better hope, it brought a change in life, amen, someone says the gospel stands for God only salvation plus eternal life, amen, that's the gospel. It's designed to, to give us eternal life, and he is the only salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other but the name of Jesus Christ. So we want to do the will of God. And what is the will of God? If somebody was to ask you what is the will of God, what would you tell them? Everybody's going to be saved? I don't think so. <laughs> He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? That is the will of God. Amen. But if someone was to ask you that, would you have an answer? Huh? And everything, be uh, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, First Thessalonians 5.18. Obey the Ten Commandments. Okay. Walk worthy of the vacation we're in. You will call with all lowly and meekness. Okay. Bearing one another, loving one another. Okay. 
So we, we have to realize, as Paul told the church at Thessalonica, also in, in chapter 4, uh, verse 3, I think it is, he says that the will of God is what? That you sanctify yourself and you, and you keep yourself holy and unspotted in this world. Amen. Hebrews chapter, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. Even what? Your sanctification. That you should abstain from what? Fornication. And every one of you should know how to do what? Possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. You should know how to handle you. Because you're born again. Say, say, this is what this better hope did for us. See, we are to be that vessel. Paul told the church in First Thessalonians, I mean First Second Timothy chapter two, he says, In every house is all kinds of great vessels. He says, some the honor and dishonor, some wood, some earth. He says, if a man purge himself, he should be what? A vessel of honor sanctified and meet for the master's use. See, when this better hope came, when the gospel came, it was designed to make us a vessel of honor so God could use us. Amen. Think about that. So that he could use you. This is why Paul told the church at Corinth in the sixth chapter, he says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You are not your own. Why? You were brought with the price. Christ died for you. See? So this better hope that Jesus brought, this, this faith, this, this newness of life that he brought in, this better hope. Amen. While we was yet without hope, Christ died for us. Amen. But now, because he came, we can have hope. Amen. We can have a look at Romans 8, chapter, verse 23. Romans 8, 23. You there? Amen. Skip a few pages. I'm going to get ahead of my notes here. Amen. Everybody there? Amen. I'm going to start verse 22 through 27. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We're waiting for God to come and get us, aren't we? Amen. But we are saved by what? Notice, we're saved by hope. That's what keeps you. See, if in this life only we have hope, in Christ, we are all men most miserable. If all you're looking for is right here and right now, you're going to be miserable. We're going to a better place. 
Amen. We're going to where streets of gold and gates of perils and where we'll be able to shout and sing and dance all about around the throne and to cast out crowns uh, and shout, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, for the old things will be passed away. Amen. Praise God. And we will reign for with him forever and ever. Amen. Paul goes on. He says, we're saved by hope. We know he's coming. We know he's going to prepare a place of us. We have this hope. Amen. It's a better hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man said, why did he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart know what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? And what's the will of God? <laughs> Amen. Amen. He makes intercession according to the will of God to keep us pure, to keep us right. Amen. So the law did, it could not make you perfect, even though the law converts the soul. It could not make us perfect. But the gospel does. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, he said the gospel didn't come in word only, but it came with power. It came with the Holy Ghost. And it came with much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were. See, the gospel was this better hope that that came to give us encouragement, to edify, to bring us into a relationship. The law did not provide the atonement, but the gospel did. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians 3 that the law was just a schoolmaster or tutor or teacher to do what? To bring us to Christ. But after Christ has come, we're no longer under the law. Amen. Because we're what? We're his children. We become his children. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, nor enter into the kingdom of God. See, if you're not born again, you can't see it. You can't see what the Holy Ghost is doing. You can't enter if you're not born again. Galatians 3 says, for as many as you've been baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. See, so if I can't see it and I can't enter it, then I might not be born again. There's a better hope, amen, for you and I that Jesus has provided. The law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. We can now what? Be made perfect. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 5.48, be a 7.48, yes. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's saying, come on, guys. Be complete in me. Search the scripture. 
For any of you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, but you won't come to me that you might have life. I am come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. That's why this new hope was designed to give us a better hope. See? That's why you shouldn't, as I said earlier, you shouldn't be depressed if you're born again. Because you got a better hope. Amen. You can run into him anytime you want. You can call upon him anytime you want. And I will hear you, saith the Lord. Amen. That's why the psalmster says in Psalms 20, the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. See? He knows the things you have need of. This better hope. That's why Jesus is a better hope. Amen. For us all. The same way as being born again is better for the world. Jesus is a better hope. Amen. People are hoping in everything else. And they don't realize it's temporal. It's going to pass away. You know, you buy a new car today, you drive it off the lot, and guess what? Go back and try to sell it. Get them to take it back. It's amazing how in, in, in five or ten minutes how much depreciation it can get. Think about it. You know, people are putting their hope in everything but God. And when those things fail, then they wonder why. You know, people work jobs forever and then all of a sudden they get laid off. They had their hope in all that. You know, people put their money in the stock market. They're hoping, you know, that one day to retire and have a lot. And the stock market bottoms out. What happens? The hope is gone. But Jesus says, I won't leave you. I will not forsake you. He will always be right there for you anytime you need him. I know the thoughts I think towards you, said the Lord. The thoughts of peace and to give you an expected end. Amen. This is the hope that we have. Amen. And so we need to cling to that hope. Amen. It's by this hope that what? Paul says in, in Hebrews 7.19, by the which we do what? We draw nigh to God. Notice, this is how we get to God. This is why Jesus says, I am the door. No man can come to the Father but by me. So when I go after Jesus, I'm getting the Father too. <laughs> That's why Jesus says in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. So when I get Christ, I get God. When I get Jesus, I get the Holy Ghost. There's no separation. There's not three. There's not a trinity. There's one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Amen. And so I get the whole package. 
Amen. He's the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in operation. So when I'm born again, I can see how it all works. Amen. When I am born again, I can enter into it with Him. I can work with Him. I can be a part of it. This is what He wants. I can become a vessel, meet for the Master's use. Amen. This is what God desires of you and I. This gospel is a better hope. Jesus is better. Amen. Second Corinthians five seventeen through 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Okay? See, now you can compare Romans 6 and 1 Corinthians 5 together. Because when you look at Paul's instruction to the Romans, which is also Paul's letters kind of overlap each other back and forth because he's writing to the churches. You know, he lets them know in Romans 6, he says, for we was buried with Christ. That is, Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We should what? Walk in newness of life. Say, when I repent of my sins, what am I doing? I'm dying. I'm dying to the old way of life. I'm dying to the ways of the world. Say, when I'm baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, I am being buried with Christ the same way he was buried. And when I come up out of that water, I then walk in what? Newness of life or the resurrection of the power of the Holy Ghost. See, and so as we are now become what? New creatures in Christ because we got rid of the old way of life. We saw that that old life was rewarding us nothing good. So we change. This is why we become Christians, followers of Christ. See? And so therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And what? Behold, all things Become new. And all things are of God who have, what? Reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. See, so when I am in Christ, what is it doing? It's giving, put me in God's stead. I'm coming to God. See, I'm being reconciled. See, in the old days, what Paul is saying here, because the people's the sins, they, it kept separating them from God. The same way you and I, we are born in sin. We are shaping in iniquity. So until we become born again, we are away from God. He's not there. We're not His. See? That's why you've got to be born again in order to become a child of God. And see, once we become his child, that's why you, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You put on Christ, you become the child of God here. So he reconciles, he brings us to him, amen, through Jesus Christ. And have given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Notice, God was in Christ, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, 
preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received back up in the glory. God was in Christ. Amen. You can't kill God. You just kill flesh. All right. God was in Christ, pulling the world back to him because the world was separated from him. All had sinned. Amen. And so the better hope of Jesus coming into the world, for when the fullness of time come, God sent forth his son, born on the woman, born into the law, to what? Redeem them. To bring them back. That's why from the Old Testament, the plan of salvation was being put in place from Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness, nor in the ark. All these things was plans of salvation to bring the people back. Noah preached for a hundred years trying to get them to see. And only eight souls were saved. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that they all passed through the flood. They all was baptized by Moses in the cloud and in the sea. You know, they had an opportunity. This was a, a form of type and shadow of the New Testament. Amen. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so everybody now has an opportunity. That better hope is here for everybody. See? And so if we don't take it, it's not his fault. He's trying to reconcile us. This is why Peter says in Second Peter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all men would what? Come to repentance. Die to this world and come on back to him. What he created you for from the onset and from the beginning. Reconciling the world to himself, not in putting or charging their trespasses to them. Notice, what did Jesus tell the woman called in adultery? You know, if no man condemn you, she says, he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's why Paul says in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of Christ is what? Made us free from the law of sin and death. That better hope that came in, Jesus Christ, was designed to remove our sins, remove all those things. When Isaiah saw the Lord in 6, amen, chapter 6, and what happened? The angel flew and took a coal from off the altar. He put it upon his mouth. He says, Behold, this is now touched your lips. Your iniquities are removed and your sins are purged. See? They're gone, Isaiah. And that's what happens to us when we repent. God says, okay, I got an eraser. They're gone. But before, it wasn't that way. The law was designed to keep them on track until the promise came. The promise of redemption. The promise of the Holy Ghost. That's why Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, of the Prince of Peace, of the increase in his government. There shall be no end. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. Amen. For the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And she brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger and called him what? Jesus, which was spoken by the prophet, by the angel. Amen. He reconciles us. No charging us of our sins. God says, 
man, all the sins you ever did, they're gone. That's why Paul says in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. See, that better hope, it cleanses us. Amen. He goes on and says, and have committed it to us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he have made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. We become righteous. Because when you're born again of the water and the spirit, you come back to do right. That's the overall kicker here. Amen. All things are of God. God reconciled us to him. Amen. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he is our peace, who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of petition between us. Amen. Notice. He's made a petition here. He broke that wall down. <laughs> Presidents, they want to build a wall. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but we want to tear the wall down. <laughs> the wall, amen, that divides us from God. Amen. Jesus took it down. Jesus is a great mediator. He's the go-between. He was the atonement for our sins. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 9, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, have quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and have raised up up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't save yourself. That's what he's saying here. It's by God's unmerited love that he saved us. Some people say, all you got to do is just believe in you're saved by God's grace. No, that's not what he's saying. He is saying because of God's unmerited love, that's why you're saved. That's why God brought you into the revelation of the truth so you would repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's salvation. Just confessing Jesus is, is, is not salvation. When people read Romans 10, that, notice what it says. If thou will confess with your mouth. You keep confessing Jesus. That's why we're told to not forget our profession. We, we can continue to confess him. That's what Christianity is all about. That's why we got to be ready to give an account. That's why our whole life is confessing Christ. And as long as I keep confessing him with my life, I'm going to be saved. That's why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He said, neglect not the, the gift that is in thee with the laying on of hands. He says, continue in them. 
He says, for if you continue in the doctrine, you know what? You'll save yourself and everybody else to hear it from you. So as long as I keep confessing Jesus, telling people what God has done to me, what is he doing? He's building my faith. It's making me to be what Christ wants me to be, to give an answer of every man has to hope that's in me. So as long as I keep confessing him, I'm going to be saved and live right and do what I'm saying. I'm going to be just fine. See? Amen. So Paul goes on and he says in Ephesians 2 verse 12 through 22, that at the time you were without Christ, you were Star Wars. Right? And that's what he says. And that's what the scripture says in Ephesians 2, 12. He says at the time that you were without Christ, what were you? <laughs> Ain't it amazing that everything out of Hollywood is all about aliens? You know? <laughs> it's because they're far away from God. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it all is. Like I told you Sunday, you know, God is just showing us that the people that is away from him. They're strangers. They're aliens. They're alienated themselves from God. See, he says that in the times you were without Christ, you were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. Notice, having no hope. They don't have any hope out there doing that. That's why they keep doing all that foolishness. They don't have any hope. You know, that's why people just keep doing what they're doing. They're without hope. Until they come into that revelation of Jesus Christ and give their life to him, then they will see what true hope is all about. Say, And they realize, yes, I've got something to look forward to. Yes, I've got something tangible I can hold on to. Yes, I've got something that will never fade away. I got something that will be with me throughout eternity for the rest of my life. I've got hope. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that I've committed to him against that day. So Paul said there are aliens without hope and without God. Where? In the church? In the world. Notice. They don't have any hope, and they're without God out there. See? See? That's why the world keeps doing what it's doing. Because they don't have God. Because if they had God, if they're born again, they ain't going to do that foolishness. See? You need to understand that. They're without Him. That's why they're doing what they're doing. See? He goes on here and says, But now in Christ Jesus, you... You and me. He, he says, look guys, I'm talking about you now. He says, for in Christ Jesus, there was some time a off, we are made now by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. See? His blood. That's why his blood is applied to us in the waters of baptism. It washes away. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. See? We come to him by the blood. That's why Israel had to put the blood on the doorposts and on the mantle so the deaf angel would pass over 
and then they was able to walk out. See, as long as we stay under the blood, I plead the blood. Amen. You can pray. I plead the blood when you're going through things. Amen. Because it's the blood of Christ here. Amen. For he is our what? Peace. That's what Paul says. He will keep you in perfect. Isaiah says he will keep you in perfect peace. He's my peace. I can go to him who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinance, ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which was afar off, and them that were made, that come, came and preached peace was afar off, and them were nigh. For through him we both have access, notice, by one spirit unto the Father. Notice, excess. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fit firmly together and grow it up unto a temple, a holy temple, in the Lord. Amen. And whom we also built together the habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. Notice, we was far off. But when that better hope came, amen, it brought us right back to Christ. It brought us right back to God. Amen. Praise God. And now we have access. That's why Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have the excess by faith into the grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice in this thing. And Hebrews four sixteen says, Amen, because we got access, notice, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In the time of need. Amen. Praise God. That better hope. But we have not a high priest which can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted just like we are, yet without sin. So we can come boldly to that throne and find grace and help in the time of our need. Because why? He's a high priest. After the order of Melchizedek. And this Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, first being interpreted, the God of righteousness, and next, the God of peace. Amen. This better hope. So when we're born again, amen, it's better for the whole world. And Jesus is a better hope for the whole world. Amen. And so we got to share him. Amen. We got to let him be in our lives. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, man. I feel like I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Amen. That's the God we serve. Amen. He is a great and awesome, awesome God. He's a better reason. Whatever reason. Amen. He did it just for you. He did it just for me. 
That's how good our God is. Amen. So as you keep studying this stuff and you keep paying into the word of God, amen, he will show you the things that you have need of. Amen at all times. Amen. God bless.